Welcome to the Iowa Idea Podcast. Join host Matt Arnold for in-depth conversations with artists, designers, entrepreneurs, and civic leaders as he explores how they approach their craft and represent a modern version of the Iowa Idea. This podcast tells the stories of Iowa natives, transplants, and friends who demonstrate the Iowa Idea in the 21st century. Healing with the Blues. In this episode of the Iowa Idea podcast, I sit down with Dr. Tanya English, who is a healer and blues singer based in Iowa. Tanya brings her dynamic infotainment approach to help people access healing through the blues. I appreciated Tanya taking the time to join me on the podcast. In addition to her approach and desire to help people heal, I enjoyed her dropping a few bars of beautiful blues singing during our conversation. I was intrigued by Tanya's quote when you put attention on the intention, there's no tension. From a design perspective, I appreciated Tanya discussing her mentor's advice to welcome limitations because limitations can spark creativity and the importance of not letting your ego drive and why it's important to have fun like you're a seven-year-old. I'd like to thank Tanya for joining me for this discussion. I hope you enjoy the episode. Dr. Tanya English, thank you so much for joining us on the Iowa Idea podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. If you don't mind, could you tell us and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, uh, thank you for having me. First of all, I just, I love the idea of the Iowa Idea. That's such a great name. Um, what, what, the way that I came to Iowa was I grew up on the East Coast I did all my undergraduate work out there, um, did massage school out there, and then decided I should probably go to chiropractic school if I really wanted to make a difference. And so what I did was drive my overloaded (laughs) U-Haul over the Appalachian Mountains on the the shoulder (laughs) and made it out to Iowa and um, ended up staying here because I met a nice guy. (laughs) And we uh, raised a family here together and I've been in practice since 1994 as a chiropractor. I've been in practice of healing since 1987 as a massage therapist and then um, did that and then started to learn more about energy work and had been having the experience of um, picking up information from people without them telling me about it and so i wanted to say okay what can i do with this information and they don't really discuss that in massage school and they don't discuss it in chiropractic college but my undergraduate work had been in theater and so i understood how human beings are motivated and and how their emotions play into their being so that's what i that's what i put my attention on Great. Thank you. And so you, uh, one of the really unique things that you're, you're doing is healing with the blues. Can you, can you walk me through that kind of that connection, both between healing and how you got into, to the blues? Yeah. Healing with the blues is a direct result of an experience that I had in, in healing. And um, in fact, when I was thinking about moving to Iowa, I thought, well, I'm going to be on the Mississippi. I wonder if I'll hear blues music there. <laughs> and sure enough, uh, I did. Um, the Mississippi Valley Blues Festival was about half a mile from my apartment when I was going to Palmer. 
and then I met um, some blues musicians and met my husband who's a blues bassist and he also plays rock and roll. But um, in 1994, when I was finishing up my work at Palmer, I, uh, chiropractic college, I was pregnant and had a full-term pregnancy that resulted in a stillbirth. And it was really difficult. And especially in the situation that I was in having going to a place where there was supposed to be healing happening and have that happen. And so I just opened up to whatever healing was available to me. I said, you know, God, I really know I need healing in every possible kind of way. So just put me where I need to be. And that, um, led me to go back to the blues fest that year. And I was in the tent, uh, at the tent stage and the five blind boys from Alabama put a healing on me and I came out different than when I went in. And so, um, with my husband playing blues music, we, I went into practice. I graduated. I went into practice. We're raising our family. And when the kids started to kind of leave home and, and move forward in their lives, I was able to start performing with one of his bands. And I did that every so often. And then I said, you know what, I'd really like to do this more professionally and have some rehearsal. And so he said, well, we'll have to get a band together. <laughs> and I said, can we do that? And he's like, yes, we do that. He said, and they're going to want gigs if they rehearse with you. And I'm like, oh yeah, I guess they would. <laughs> so we started to rehearse and we had some personnel changes during that time. And then we started gigging out and, and enjoying um, doing that. And it was really becoming a really great part of our lives and until this whole virus thing happened. Mm -hmm. And so we've been doing that for the last nine years, um, doing blues gigs. And everyone that uh, that does blues music, that, that plays it or listens to it or loves it, understands that blues is a healer. And so I dedicated my work um, to actually bringing those two pieces together because I was seeing people having healing experiences with blues music. I was experiencing it myself and I was having people have healing experiences through the work I was doing in the office and on the online stuff that I do with energy healing. And I just really wanted to bring those two parts of my life together. And so I started to create healing with the blues. And right now we have, um, a wonderful experience of the Facebook page healing with the blues, which has interviews from different blues artists that just happened to come to Iowa all fall last year. And so I got to interview quite a few people um, about what does blues as a healer mean to you? And every blues artist understands that and they all talk about emotion. So it really connects us with our emotions and those subconscious emotions that we push down that we don't want to think about or feel blues music can bring those up. And when we identify our emotions, it's that first step to being free from the debilitating effects that negative emotions have on us. So that's why I brought them all together. And then my um, mentor in blues singing, Miss Gloria Hardman who's an alligator recording artist introduced me to the last original blind boy of Alabama, Jimmy Carter, not the president, 
but the right that the main original member and she's been friends with him for years told him my story of the healing that I experienced and so I got to have dinner with him a couple of years ago and share some time with him which was really wonderful and that there keeps that keeps happening things keep showing up through blues music and healing keeps happening and so we also have a a private facebook group where i do a live healing session every tuesday and that group anybody can join that group you just have to answer the questions and then you're in the group and you can access all those different healing sessions that i've been doing for the last year it's just been really rewarding to see people having that experience and energy healing is very, very effective and it goes deep. So we get a lot of stuff done. Thank you. And if you could kind of walk me through a little bit too, just to make, make sure I'm understanding and listeners are understanding one, what, what does healing mean? And I don't mean just like a, a textbook definition, but, um, what does it mean to heal? And then if you could also help me understand uh, kind of that relationship to, to energy and emotion that you talk about. Mm-hmm. So what healing means is when you have an experience of something opening, an opening happening in your awareness that allows the healing to come in. So healing energy is just like when you're healing anything. So for instance, when I talk to children about healing, one of the things I'll ask them is, if you break a bone, what does the doctor do? And they'll say, well, the doctor puts it in a cast. And I say, so the doctor puts it in a cast, why does the doctor put it in a cast? To protect it. Good, that's exactly right. But does the doctor go in there and knit the bones together? No. Who does that? Well, I do that. The doctor within does the healing. So we have an innate ability to heal. If we didn't, we'd have scars for every paper cut we've ever had. (laughs) And we don't have that. Our body is a self-healing mechanism, except when there's interference in it. And this is chiropractic philosophy 101. If there's interference, in the immune system, if there's interference in the nervous system, then things are not going to run as well as they could. And the nervous system runs everything. So when we're talking about moving bones off of nerves, that's, the, that's what most people think of as chiropractic. But it's also what is creating the experience for the bone to think that, or think, for the bone to move off of that place where it moves easily and into a place where it doesn't there's muscles contracting well what's causing the muscles to contract well there's a signal that's telling the muscle to contract where's the signal coming from the signal is coming from the emotion that creates the physiology in the physical body so every emotion that we have has its own physiology and if you think about it happiness is a little bit different than joy and joy is a little bit different from bliss and bliss is a little bit different than glad and glad is a little bit different from pleased. These are all positive emotions, but they all have just a little bit different feeling to them. Now, negative feelings are mostly fear 
and positive feelings are mostly love. If, if you're in fear, your physiology shuts down your immune system and your digestive system. You don't need those to run away from a bear or to stay and fight something. So I'm going right into how this emotions work, right. okay? So, yeah, thank you. So um, what, what happens is you can only be in fight or flight or in rest, digest, and heal. You can't be in both. So if you're in fight or flight, your digestion shuts down, your immune system shuts down, and you have to have all the blood in your body go to the large muscle groups so that you can run away from the danger or stay in fight. That's not conducive to you digesting your sandwich. That's why they tell you, you know, don't go swimming until a half an hour after you eat because all the blood is now in the innards and putting the food where it needs to go and digesting the nutrients and putting that stuff where it needs to go. So the blood is in the middle of your body, literally. When you're in fight or flight, it moves outward to the large muscle groups, arms and legs. So that's why when somebody gets bad news, they might faint because the blood suddenly leaves the middle of their body and goes to those peripheral parts of the body. Make sense? It, it is. Yeah. Thank I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So it, if we can stay in rest, digest and heal, because that's the only place where healing happens. If we can stay in rest, digest and heal, and we can clear those subconscious feelings. Now, those are the dangerous ones. Those are the ones that haven't been dealt with, that we've pushed down. Well, I'm not going to think about that. Oh, that's water under the bridge. Oh, that's past, and I'm not going to think about well, it. And just They're to just jump in, yeah, just, just to jump in there for a second, too. I mean, stereotypically, that's like part of uh, you know the upper Midwestern, right? Just stuff those feelings way down there until... Yeah. And, and until they blow up, right? Exactly. So think about it. I mean, if you're not allowing your feelings to be expressed in some safe, healthy way, then they're being stuffed. And just like how you don't have to think about going to the grocery store, you get in your car and you drive and you think about what you're going to get while you're there. You're not thinking about driving because that's now a subconscious pattern. You don't have to think about it. It's muscle memory. You're not thinking about it. You're not using your thinking mind for that. You're using your thinking mind to make the list of what you're going to get. Your subconscious is driving the car. <laughs> right. And it does that all the time with things that you don't have to have present time thought control over. Like breathing is one of those things that you can do both with. You cannot think about it or you can think about it. Walking, you can think about it or not think about it. But I don't say, oh, I'm going to go over and get that book off the shelf. Now I'm going to shift my weight over to my right foot, and then I'm going to move that over here, and then I'm going to bring my left. I don't have to think about that. That pattern has been worn, so it goes very fast. That's why we do little cross-crawl exercises with babies. You know, touch their opposite hand to their opposite foot to get that pattern built up so they can do it easily. Right. But the same thing happens when you have – emotions that come in with high intensity or they happen over and over and over again. And the trigger can be something really simple like a window envelope 
for a lot of people, an envelope with a window in it means a bill that I can't pay or a student loan or whatever it is. It, it's, it's money I don't have. That's what the window envelope shows us. And then we go into a, fight or flight. It's evoking a negative memory, right? Yeah. And it's subconscious. Right. So you're not aware of that happening because your subconscious is being run by your feelings, not by your thinking mind. So, well, I, I discuss yeah. that a lot in, in uh, brand when I'm working with clients, right? Mm-hmm. To try to help folks understand that uh, humans really aren't rational beings. They're rationalizing beings. They'll try to explain yeah. later. <laughs> it's very true. Right. But yeah, yeah. that, that kind of uh, more emotional responses to things are, are the big driver. Well, yeah. It's in fact how we experience the world. Human beings experience life through their emotions. That's why we have them because they are a response to what we're seeing. There is also lower brain function that is a reflex where we can see a stick on the ground. It looks like the shape of a snake and we'll jump away from it before our mind knows, oh, it's really only a stick. It's not a snake. So there, those are lower brain functions, reflexes like that to keep us out of danger. But we're not in danger most of the time anymore. We're not running across the forest floor foraging for food and watching out for tigers and bears. What we're doing is getting a window envelope that's reminding us that we don't have enough or something like that. Or it could be something like the same cadence of footfall that someone hears that reminds them of their abuser Mm -hmm. growing up. And they hear that same footstep and boom, they're right there because that feeling and that situation was never dealt with. And so when I'm doing work with people healing, we go into those experiences, but they don't have to relive them. And the reason why blues music is so good for that is because it gets to the heart of it right away. So I don't sing to everybody during every session, (laughs) (laughs) although if they want me to, I will. (laughs) But what I do is the presentation that we do, we use blues music to show people, look, haven't you ever had a time when, why am I treated so bad? Tell me why am I treated so bad? Everybody's had that feeling. Or like, I'm going to drown in my own tears because you're not home. All of those feelings are there. And when we touch them with music, it's like you're right there. So as you're identifying with the feeling, it's releasing that too. Right. Thank you. And I know one of the things in getting, getting ready for our, our conversation today is, uh, you know, a, a, a big word that, that uh, you use, or not, not like big, that it's really long, but right, mm-hmm. that it, it's common is, and seems to be part of the big idea connecting these is the notion of harmony. Mm-hmm. Um, tying those together and, you know, I, I couldn't help but think of the word harmony too when you're talking about energy, right? Like even mm-hmm. even the way we visualize it, it's through through waves or even frequency of mm-hmm. of musical notes, right? And when they're in harmony or out of harmony, it's it's easy to tell. But uh, I think you know one of the things that makes me really curious about our conversation today, I think that is music is really accessible, but I think mm-hmm. emotions are a lot harder for people to. 
yeah. maybe access and discuss uh, openly. Right. So um, if you, if, yeah, if you don't mind, uh, talk a little bit about harmony and how harmony plays out both in the, the healing process and then uh, again, connecting that with the blues. I really appreciate it too. <laughs> Content wise too, right? The blues gets right to it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, but harmony is a really wonderful experience. You know, our bodies have a thing called homeostasis. And I'm going to get a little physiology in here if I can. Homeostasis. No, perfect, is, go for it. Yeah, it's the, it's the processes that your body's doing to kind of maintain a normal experience. So it's always moving. It's like a wave. Uh, something's not working right. Something else is compensating. Oh, that's fine now. Now something else is going on. Okay, I just ate something. So now I have to have blood in my stomach area so that I can digest the food. Oh, wait, I have a, something that's off over here. I need to do that. So it's constantly doing this wave kind of thinking, thinking about it. It's just like a nice wave. When people are ill, that wave has higher peaks and lower valleys. And that can happen whether it's physical illness, spiritual illness, mental illness, emotional illness. Those higher, those higher peaks and lower valleys are much more difficult to smooth out when you're just going along and you're in harmony with your life and things that you want and your desires are showing up and your purpose is being fulfilled then that, that homeostasis or harmony is pretty good. When you have mm -hmm. those high peaks and low valleys, you're working harder. Your body's working harder. Your spirit's working harder. Your mind is working more. Your emotions are, are sharper. And so as you're reaching a more harmonious experience, then you can actually feel the, the relaxation of all of that. So when I'm working on people doing healing, they feel more relaxed because now we're stopping some of those patterns from happening. So the body's not doing it subconsciously. It's not doing it under the surface anymore. It's just not doing it. So the feeling of freedom and harmony that people have when the worry wart who's been yakking away in the back of their mind for who knows how long years stops and it's quiet it is the most amazing feeling because it's not happening it's like the absence of it is really noticeable and then you realize oh my god what have i been doing all this time and so with blues music you can you're you're, you're kind of lulling yourself into this really familiar pattern which is blues music is a very familiar pattern you know there's a lot of different gradations in there you can have happy blues and sad blues and funny blues and um i'm gonna kill my man blues kind of stuff but <laughs> it's it's all f familiar form that's why there's blues jams because everybody knows oh it's a one four five okay and we're gonna mm -hmm. go to the you know they know understand the pattern so it's very simple and easy for people to like really get it and so when you're doing that what happens is you're allowing yourself to feel the emotion now granted when you're in a bar and you're listening to blues music and you're drinking, that's a whole, you know, that's a different kind of thing that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the party atmosphere. What I'm talking about is how 
you know, the sky is crying. Can't you feel the tears roll down the street? When you feel that in your body, that sadness, it I, you identify with it and you become in harmony with it. And then as, as those things unfold, you can feel the relief as well. So it's really similar to the healing work. The healing work is, is more incisive, more focused and, and deeper on some levels. And the music part of it is a beautiful way to open up to it. That's great. Thank you. Um, yeah. Thinking about... Um, great question. Um, I, I appreciate that. That's very kind. Uh, with the thinking about the healing side as well, and I'm kind of, this is statement question kind of blended, but because mm-hmm. uh, I'm having trouble articulating it. But when it, to me, the way I'm understanding the process is first you're, you're addressing healing, which is some past injury or trauma, right? And let's, let's deal with that. But then it feels like you're probably giving people skills going forward, right? Mm-hmm. To like prevent injury or prevent something similar. Um, yeah. Does that yeah. Sound, am I, am I tracking? Yeah, you're exactly right. So what, what I'm doing with people when we're doing healing, whether it's in the office or online or over the phone, is I'm showing them, I'm, in fact, I don't do a lot of the healing. The person who I'm working with is doing the healing. Mm-hmm. I'm like the GPS saying, okay, turn left, turn right, go straight. What I'm doing is I'm allowing my intuitive gifts to come forward and to share with them what I'm picking up from their energy and allowing that to inform us. I'll give you an example. And then I teach them something about like, okay, here's how you can continue that. So I teach things like different breathing techniques and guided meditations. And we do a lot of prayer too. So I was working with somebody. Let me look at this yesterday. And one of the things that she's been dealing with is the fact that she doesn't like her weight. She's not at her ideal weight. And Mm -hmm. we've done several sessions and I said, okay, so, and, and she's not been talking about this. She's not been bringing it up. And I said, what's the thing that you hear yourself say to yourself about yourself more than anything else? And she said, Oh, that I'm unorganized. And I said, that's not it. Because what she's doing is she's skipping over the thing that really has been bothering her so she can distract herself from it and not think about it. Mm -hmm. So when we do that, what I have to do is (laughs) I have to tell them, the person, that's not right. You, You need to go deeper than that. And isn't it really this? And then she says, yes, that's really what it is. And, you know, the fear about confronting some of these things is the, is the main thing that we have to get through. And then once we get there, now she's had a breakthrough with this because we've cleared up the subconscious patterns that keep telling her this, that keep saying you're not enough, you're not right, this is too much, you're too this, you're not enough that. We quiet that voice down, we, get, we stop that pattern from happening. And now she's making organically she's making good choices for herself because it feels good instead of avoiding it. Now she's actually making choices like, Oh, it'd be so much better. Uh, I really like the idea of this movement. I'm going to do this movement today. Or I like the idea of having this for dinner instead of that. 
And it's just easy for her to make the choice that's better for her because now she's not hurting herself by saying you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong all the time. And um, I hope this is getting to your question. Yeah, no, this is, this is okay. great. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I appreciate that. So I'm teaching her while we're doing this, she has a different way of thinking about it now. And so mm -hmm. what I'm also teaching her is, okay, now to keep this going, I want you to do something like every, every morning, I want you to do some four count breathing. Four count breathing is just, we call it four square breathing too. You breathe in for four counts, you hold it for four counts, you exhale for four counts, you hold it out for four counts. Breathing that's very intentional. And when you put your attention on your intention, there's no tension. <laughs> so <laughs> um, when she's doing that breathing and she's allowing herself to put attention on the one thing that is most connected to you being alive, all of us being alive is our breath. We can live without food for a while. We can live without water for a while, but four minutes without breath and you're gone. So she's putting attention on the most important thing to survival. Now her body's going, oh, okay, I'm in survival. This is awesome. Because the body only knows two modes. It knows survive and not survive. So if it thinks it's in, think in quotes, if it thinks it's in not survive, it'll start shutting systems down to survive. Thank you. Yeah, and I wanted to dig in a little bit on, on breathing a little yeah. bit where – uh, it seems that it's such a uh, simple yet overlooked like technique to even calm folk. I mean, even like when you're growing, just you know, even the phrase, hey, just take a breath or mm -hmm. breathe. But that intentional breathing, and I wish I could remember where I saw this, but this was, it was some show talking about how basically as we get older, we, we actually struggle breathing yes <laughs> that yep. and not i don't mean from like a like smoking or anything like that or right. pneumonia but that when when you look at a an infant breathing right that they, they have when they're they're calm their breath and and you see their belly is raising right it's these yep. whole That's whole right. breaths but as as adults we we just keep it like kind of in the tight top of your chest yeah. right and then when you do those breathing exercises you do you 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 can almost, you feel differently internally, like almost instantly. Yeah, totally. Because what's happening is you're giving oxygen to your blood. You're pushing the blood around. So when you take a deep breath in and go ahead and do this right now, breathe in one, two, three, four, hold it. One, two, three, four, exhale through your nose. One, two, three, four, hold it out. One, two, three, four. Breathe normally. What you just did was you massaged all of the organs underneath your diaphragm. So your pancreas, your liver, your stomach, your um, kidneys, everything is now being pressed down and lifted up, pressed down and lifted up. So you're pumping new blood and oxygen into your organs. Who doesn't want that? Well, yeah. And so, and, and we, we just did four bars of breathing, right? Yeah, that was it. Four count breathing. That's how fast. It takes 16 seconds to do it. Yeah. So nobody is telling me, oh, I don't have time for that. Yeah, you do. Right. You have 32 seconds. Do it twice. 
take you less than a minute to do it around twice. And so this, when I'm teaching people to meditate, which is another tool that we use in the toolbox for healing to meditate and, you know, for singing, you have to be able to breathe. So if mm -hmm. we're going to be doing any singing, we're going to be doing breathing. But with meditation, if, if you don't know how to meditate and you say, oh, I can't meditate because I can't empty my mind, it's not about emptying your mind. It's about allowing yourself to put your attention on something simple like breathing or a mantra and TM, they use a mantra. Right. Do Put your mind on it. And then when a thought goes by and another thought goes by, then you go, oh, yeah, thinking. Let me go back to breathing. Let me go back to putting my attention on my mantra, on my breathing. So it's not about trying to empty. It's about letting those thoughts go by like clouds in the sky and putting your attention when you notice that it's not where you want it to be on the meditation. You don't say, oh, darn, I'm doing it wrong. You don't go into judgment about how wrong you are. <laughs> That's the opposite of meditation. <laughs> you stay out of judgment and you just go, okay, back to breath. Now, do you, oh. do you meditate every day? Yep, I do. Do you have a, a schedule or a ritual to, that you like to stick to? You know, I'm the worst with, with when it comes to ritual. I don't, but I have like specific places that I like to be when mm -hmm. I'm meditating Some uh, for a while. And then it switches. So sometimes I'll go out on my back porch. Sometimes I'm in the basement where it feels really quiet. Sometimes I'm just sitting up in bed meditating. Sometimes I'm in my office meditating. So it just, and it, and for me, I, I don't like to do guided meditation all the time because I know people do that, but I really need to have that quiet time um, with no input from anywhere else so that um, spirit, so that God has a way of talking to me so that I'm not being distracted by something else. So that takes some um, discipline. I'm terrible at discipline. It's not my favorite thing. I don't even like that word <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. To be totally honest, but um, I think it's more it's more uh, devotion rather than discipline. So devotion to to the process is really what I'm about. I I, I like that a lot. I think you know some of the conversations we've had. You know that some of the themes that we really like to cover in the podcast are you know it's it's craft, creativity, collaboration, and persistence. And so I'm hearing a lot of the, right, that the notion of devotion, right? That's a lot of like when, when people work at mastering their craft, right? Is also uh -huh. that continuing to work it, right? And yeah. uh, that in, in many ways, the work is never done, right? But you're, you're trying no, to enjoy the, the journey. Yeah. It, it's not about, it's not about getting to the destination because the destination is going to be probably after I leave this, this body that'll be another destination yeah. but for me it's more about like what can we do and how can I be while I'm here and what I want to be is healing um, I want to be healing for the people that I come into contact with I want to be healing for the people that listen to my music I want to be healing for the people who are listening to me help them do healing over the phone and online and Actually, it, it's, it's such a big part of who I am that even if I'm by myself, I'm thinking about healing. So five-day silent meditation for me is like, it's still a discipline. It's still like, oh, do I have to do this because I'm such a rebel? I just want to fight against it all. <laughs> um, 
I'll, I'll, you know, try to, try to like squeeze around the rules and stuff. But um, it, once I settle down and allow myself to just be okay with, okay, this is what we're doing. Just the most amazing and beautiful things show up. And one of those things was healing with the blues because that's, I kept asking, how can I put these together? How can I put, how can my life be more complete instead of segmented? How can it be more fluid and flowing instead of this segments over here and this segments over here? Mm-hmm. How can that happen? And so I went into a five day silent meditation retreat and just said, show me. And so one um, afternoon while I was meditating, the whole thing showed up and I was like, Oh, okay. So that's how that works. Great. So that's what we're doing. And then of course, COVID hit and we're not supposed to be together. So <laughs> right, <laughs> makes it a little difficult, but we've done a couple of house concerts. My husband and I, um, bass and voice, that's all we have right now, but that's okay. And we've done a couple of those things and, and it's been really fun and, um, rewarding too, to be able to get that out there and have people really enjoy it, which is the whole point is to bring more joy and to bring more love into the world and to remind people that the blues is a healer because people needed it. They needed to have the blues because they had to somehow express what they were feeling through the whole institution of slavery. And everybody in their life at some point has felt like a slave, whether it's in their own mind, whether it's in their physical space, whether it's, you know, whatever it is I think most people that I know could say that they've had the experience of feeling like that at some point or another. And for a whole, you know, um, diaspora of people moved from another country, enslaved and put here to, to give us that kind of a gift is just amazing to me. It's amazing and it calls out to how incredible healing can be and how the blues is a healer for sure. And I've talked to lots of blues musicians because I'm a white girl. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a nice white lady from the East Coast. And I say, you know, should I do this song? And they say to me, you have to do it. You have to do it. So that's why I sing Respect by the Staple Singers. That's why I sing Why Am I Treated So Bad. That's why I look at those things and say, where have I felt that? I cried like a baby when you left me last Friday night. Boy, that happened to me. For sure it did. So always trying to find that that common ground of where have we suffered and let's let it go. Let's let that suffering go. And singing it and performing it is a very cathartic thing as well. I remember once at rehearsal, we were starting to do a song and I started crying and our drummer said to my husband, is she okay? He said, she's got the blues. (laughs) (laughs) She's got it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do the song if it doesn't bring any feeling to me. So... Thank and I do want to talk a little bit uh, too, just preparing for uh, you know rehearsal and and gigs themselves on the blues side. But mm-hmm. a question that I have be, um, and 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 forgive me, this is coming from a space of honest inquiry, mm-hmm. is the work that you're doing, um, 
it doesn't it's not mainstream i'm wondering how how do you um how do you help share your message or how do you deal with maybe like um critique or criticism from folks that might not believe in healing or might not believe in you know like i don't i don't listen to them I don't listen to those people. I'll tell you why. Like, think of it like this. I'm an artist, right? I do healing Mm -hmm. arts. I do musical arts. So if somebody doesn't like what I do, that's totally up to them. Uh, My motto is, what you think about me is none of my business. (laughs) And it saves me a lot of wear and tear. And it hasn't always been like that. I've taken a lot of things personally in the past, and I've decided that that is not a good way to be. And read the four agreements. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't assume. Don't take anything personally. Always do your best. Be impeccable with your word. I try to do all of those things. The, the main thing is to not take anything personally because it, what anybody thinks is really more about them than it is about me. I think that is the hardest. I know at least speaking for myself, the hardest part like sometimes is – uh, it has so little to do <laughs> with me as an individual, oh, but yeah. You, yeah, you, you, you just like take it all in, pour it, pour it all in. Uh, but I remember yeah. too, like one time when I lived in, in Minneapolis, like when I made peace with <laughs> my commute, like when a, a driver cuts you off, you're like, yes. they're not, cut, they're well, not that's a big one, off. isn't it? Yeah. Your commute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're, they're, I just happened to be here, but it wasn't like a personal attack that they were going to cut me off right and that was like a little way of kind of like trying to just make my peace with with uh traffic yeah it's it's really one of those things where like it's saying if you look at what you're saying about somebody else it's really you you're talking about so when somebody doesn't like what i do or what i'm bringing or anything about that i mean that um the uh the way that i do it aside like they don't like the way I schedule them or something like that. That's something yeah. different. Right, but right. if they don't like energy healing and listen, you know, I've had people tell me to my face, which I don't think happens to plumbers or, or electricians. I don't believe in what you do. I'm like, well, that's really you, isn't it? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, it doesn't matter to me. It used to. I'll tell you, it used to. And then I was like, you know what? That is really saying so much more about them. They don't believe it. Well, I feel sorry. That's too bad you don't believe it because I've seen some amazing miracles with this. I've heard people's voices change. I've heard, seen them change, their eyesight change. I've seen them get up and walk when, with no pain when they had nothing but pain. So, you know, if you don't believe it, that's up to you. And as far as like whether you like blues music or not, that's okay. You don't have to like it. I'm not a huge fan of opera. I know how good it is. I know it's amazing when people can make that kind of music come out of their bodies. I mean, but I'm not, I don't have a lot of opera records. (laughs) I'm not listening to opera podcasts. (laughs) Right. Jumping into the blues a little bit. Do you have a favorite uh, genre of blues? Well, my um, mentor, Gloria, who is a Chicago blues singer, I I really like Chicago blues. And um, she was mentored by Coco Taylor. So uh, I do a lot of Coco Taylor's work. Um, I I would do a whole album of her work for anybody, (laughs) if anybody wanted that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that and um, I follow um, Bonnie Raitt 
um, because the older stuff that she did, she was bringing out people like Sippy Wallace. She was doing that work. These are people who were um, used and abused. They were, their music was taken. Um, they, people didn't give them credit and thank God for the Blues Brothers because they didn't let it die. And that was a huge thing that they did that Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi did. It was big. And it meant that those people were going to get their due. And that's one of the reasons why we have such a thriving blues scene today. Have you ever seen how many different blues fests there are? There's many, many, many blues fests. And also um, my other mentor is Michael Hawkeye Herman, who is a solo performer and is from Rock Island, Illinois. And he lives now in Oregon and just an amazing player who was in the Oakland blues scene for years and played with cool Papa and had just, just gave me a real education on the blues and has always been a mentor for me and has won awards for keeping the blues alive and creating blues in the schools and doing it for, well, let's see, 50 years now, I would say about 50 years, more than that, probably. So having these older people that have been in the business for years and years be so willing and so open with their help for me and their mentoring of me has been just an incredible gift. So I'll tell you, um, blues, if it's somebody playing acoustic, we've been listening to Yarma Kalkinen every Saturday night since this quarantine started and he's doing a free concert from Fur Peace Ranch, which is his place um, in, in Indiana, I want to say. And um, he just plays guitar, acoustic guitar. My friend Michael Hawkeye Herman plays acoustic guitar. Gloria has had Chicago blues bands back her up. I've gotten to play with Bill Dixon, a Grammy award-winning songwriter and bass player back me up. I mean, like, what the heck? How did that happen? So <laughs> it's just been amazing what's happened and, and who's there. So I'm, I'm willing to learn from anybody um, that, that knows their blues and I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to sit at the feet. Thanks. And you've talked, uh, you, you mentioned a couple mentors and mm -hmm. what I think mentorship is a unique form of collaboration and mm. So what, if, if you can, if you don't mind sharing maybe some lessons from mentors that you carry with you or have you've translated into advice for others? One, oh, I have it right here. Um, my drama teacher, because I have my um, undergraduate degree in theater. I started out as a performer and then took a big left turn into massage therapy and chiropractic. Yeah. And so I'm getting back to my performing self um, the last dozen, last 10 years. What, um, what my first acting teacher told me in high school was to welcome the limitations because it makes you more creative. When you have limitations, you have to use your creativity in order to move through that. So welcoming the limitations, that's a big one. Um, another one is to be able to be open to whatever assistance is there for you. If there's a, cause you always have assistance, but you don't always, you're not always open to it because you want to like say, oh, it has to look like this and it has to be like that. And my mentor in energy healing, Daniel Hanneman, 
helped me understand, like, keep it light. Like, instead of asking low level questions, like, how am I ever going to get through this? To ask questions like, how much joy could I have doing this? How much fun could I have with this? How easy could this be? To ask those high level questions, to allow yourself to think in a different way, and also not to, to um, make that funnel for blessings coming into your life, to not shut that down, not make it a tiny little hole that has to come through. My mentor in chiropractic, one of them, I have several, <laughs> one of them, um, Dr. Jenna Hobbins has always said to me, like, most benevolent outcome. What's the most benevolent outcome for everyone involved? How can, I, how can this be good for everyone? And I don't have to know. I just have to ask for it. So keeping it light and asking those high-level questions creates miracles and has in my life. And... I would also say Dr. Jean Drazel, who I associated with as soon as I got out of chiropractic college, I went and worked with him. Just having that humility of like, it's really not me that's doing it. It's me that's stepping out of the way and allowing it. See, because if my ego was in charge, it would always rather be right than be happy. Mm -hmm. So ego has to take a backseat. And as my friend Lee says, Put that ego in the child seat, facing the back, strapped in, because it should not be driving the car ever. Right. <laughs> it's a toddler. <laughs> and, it, and so to be able to keep ego out of it is really, really important, especially with the kind of healing that I do. I'm not um, hearing that snap and going, yeah, I really got that bone to snap back into place. That is not where I'm at. No. So the more that I can take myself out of the equation and just allow that healing energy, we always are asking spirit for assistance and guidance to you know, show us what to do and then tell me how I'm gonna do it. So that's why a lot of what I do is really intuitive because I'm asking yes or no questions of the body that I'm working with, the person that I'm working with. I'm asking their innate intelligence to show me yes or no is this where we need to go yes okay so what should i have them think of hmm. and then allow it to occur in my mind oh i should ask them this okay is that what i should ask them yes so i'm doing a lot of muscle testing with people i'm doing a lot of checking to make sure that we're on the right track i'm asking a lot of questions not to the person personally but to the energy that's creating them so I'm asking source all the time. Thank and that's you. what I try to do in music too. Speaking of, speaking of music, can you walk me through kind of how you prepare for, for gigs, what your approach is to kind of improving your, your craft in, in the blues? Yeah. Um, one of the things that I ask myself, and even when I'm on stage, I ask myself this question. If I feel like I'm working too hard at it, I say, are you having fun like a seven-year-old? And if I answer myself no, then I'll say, you need to dance a little bit more. You need to move more. Sorry. No, that's fine. That thing. Um, you need to move more. You need to, you need to have fun like you're seven years old. And if you're not feeling it, then you need to stop and loosen up. So my approach is breathing technique, um, not necessarily running scales, but singing through my program. Yeah. And then 
um, allowing the people in my band who are amazing musicians to, to help me be the best that I can because they're way better musicians than I am. And so I always have to have people who are better than me in my band. <laughs> That's a big one. <laughs> have better people than you in your band. <laughs> and so um, when I'm choosing songs, uh, it has to be something that I resonate with that I can say, yeah, I've had this experience and here's the story that I'm going to tell. Like um, Drown in My Own Tears is about a time that my husband didn't come home when he's supposed to. So I got real scared that something bad had happened to him. And so I was sitting in the window watching cars come up the street at night, pregnant with two little kids going, what the heck, what's going to happen to me if he doesn't come home? And crying and feeling like I'm going to drown in my own tears if he doesn't show up. And then, of course, he did show up and I hugged him and beat him <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it has to resonate with me in a way that like I can say, yeah, that's happened to me. And I'm a pretty good empath. So I can, I'm very good at allowing um, disbelief to go away. I can believe things. I can allow myself to believe things. You know, the willful suspension of disbelief is the whole basis for any kind of entertainment. You have to believe that the person that you're watching is actually ha this is actually happening to them. That's why movies work. That's why theater works. That's why TV shows work. That's why bands work. You have to believe and you have to allow yourself to suspend your disbelief and say, oh, I'm in this. And when you can do that and you're really good at it and I'm pretty good at that. I can imagine anything happening. And so one of the things that I ask for is God, let you do the imagining part because your imagination is way bigger than mine. So let's see what, let's see what can happen. Let's just open it up to see. It's pretty amazing. One of the, one of the questions I ask my guests is uh, this goes, it kind of goes back with the, the mentorship, but the idea of, advice in which I say, you know, I'm taking this from Austin Kleon's book, Steal Like an Artist. And he says, <laughs> uh, when we give advice, we're talking to our younger self. It's something that we wish we would have known. Is there something now advice that you'd give that you wish you would have had earlier in your life? Yeah, you know, I wish somebody had said to me, or that I had told myself, you have everything you need right now. You don't need to go through all that. You, could, you have it right now. But at the same time, it's like, how do you know that when you're younger? Right. You don't, there's, it's really hard to know that. So I think um, that welcoming the limitations has really helped me a lot. And also, you know, relying on source. And I use that term so that people don't get triggered because there's a lot of people that get triggered by the G-O-D word. Yeah, yeah. But I rely on God to, to show me because it's never, God's never let me down. I mean, I said, hmm, you know, maybe I'll take a break from theater for a while and, you know, see if there's a massage school near me. There was one, two blocks from my apartment. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I could just go there. Okay. Um, oh, you know what? I think I want to move to Manhattan. I wonder if there's a place for me to live. Oh, somebody's subletting their apartment. Oh, great. <laughs> I mean, you know, so 
I just say, this is what would be cool. I wonder how it can happen. And I've had so many miracles in my life. So just really ask for what you want, keep it light. And um, those things, if somebody had told me those earlier, that would have been, <laughs> that would have been way helpful. <laughs> that's, that's great. Is there anything that we, we didn't cover today that you were hoping to talk about? Golly, I feel like I've covered a lot. Um, just that it's so important for people to know that they have this power for healing within them. There isn't anybody that doesn't have it. Everybody has this power within them. And the way that you can know that is if I ask you, think of a lemon, think of a nice juicy lemon. Oh, doesn't that smell good? Can you smell the lemon? Does your mouth start to watermark? Matt, does your mouth water when I ask you to think about a lemon? Uh, no, but my, my tongue was tingling. <laughs> yeah, so, so all you have to do is know that your body knows and it has so much to offer and it's all in there. And I really um, am so grateful to be able to have any kind of intimate knowledge of this and to be able to share it with people who want to know about it is a real honor. So... Thank you. And for folks that want to uh, follow up a little bit more, I know you had mentioned you have a, a Facebook page. How might people get in touch with you? They could go to um, healingwiththeblues.com and you can access the Facebook page there too. And you can access the jo and join the group there, the Facebook group where I do healing sessions every Tuesday. And this Tuesday we're talking about whether you're an ostrich or a duck. So <laughs> Intriguing. Think about that for a minute. Are you yeah. an ostrich or are you a duck? And you might not be either of those, so that's okay too. Yeah. But um, yeah, and and then um, the larger website is quantumhealinginternational.com, and that's kind of a mouthful, but you can get there through healingwiththeblues.com. So cool. So yeah, if, if folks folks the the first first place they can go is healingwiththeblues.com, and from there they can they can check yep. out Facebook and yep. your larger site. Yep. Excellent. It's all there. It's all there. Thank you so much, Matt. I'm sorry I called you Mark. I have a friend named Mark, Mark Arnold. That, you know, no, <laughs> I get right. Too. Uh, <laughs> well, Tanya, it, it has been, it's been a pleasure and thank you for, uh, you know, sharing your perspectives and your skills and your gifts with us. And uh, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Oh, you're so welcome. And um, if you want to follow the band, it's the Tanya English Band, and that's on Facebook. Excellent. So thank you so much, Matt. I love the Iowa idea idea. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. You're, you're very kind. I appreciate that. Have a fantastic afternoon. Thank you. You too. Talk to you soon. Take care. Okay. Bye. bye.